Hey Tiger, the following episode of This Body Podcast contains a lot of explicit language. Babes, welcome to This Body, a podcast about being in a body with me, Sophia, your unreliable narrator, commentator, inner and outer critic. Thank you for joining. I'm potting to you from somewhere south of heaven, near Los Angeles in California. I'm a human in a body. I'm a Taurus, which in Los Angeles at least makes me a practical genius. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it five stars or leave a review or both. And know that I rate you a 10. Happy New Year! As the Gregorian calendar flicks over into yet another year, an election year at that, I find myself in deep contemplation about the coming months and what's going to happen. I was watching um, Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper ring in the new year on TV the other day on normal TV, which I don't usually watch because I don't like ads. Um, And there's some new ads (laughs) for the CNN. We're running a bunch of ads about their coverage of the Republican town halls, which are coming up and the ads are crazy. It's like um, dramatic orchestral kind of music, very stressful and weird sound bites that are just pure negative incendiary claptrap. And I just, my whole body was like, oh shit, (laughs) it's happening again. Every election cycle in America is more harrowing, traumatic, socially nuclear than the one before since I've been here. It's hell. (laughs) and people lose their shit in a major flavor and they go online and act the fool. And that is what we're talking about today. People going off in the comments section, arguing on social media. But before I get into it, I want to go back to a more comforting time before the internet, before the word trolling existed. The mechanism of trolling existed in the form of the prank call. Hello? Is this the cocksucker residence? God damn you, stop calling here. Isn't this 4215 pussy way? You bitch! Now let me check the zip code. 212, fuck you! That was, of course, the canon scene from Serial Mom by Pope of Trash John Waters, starring the incandescent Kathleen Turner as a maniacal prank-calling serial killer. In high school, I used to hang out with this girl a little older than me. She had designer clothes and a bad attitude, and her dad was her main parent, but he was always away doing something music-related. She was a lonely kid. 
and a wild kid because of it. She loved to prank call. One day after school, I was over at her house. She was in that kind of mood, just wanting to cause trouble for no reason. Her dad was out of town. She got out the phone book, the white pages, and found a victim. Some people only listed the first initial in the phone book, while others would put their full names and their spouse's names. And my friend, let's call her June. June picked a number with both spouses' full names printed. Then she called and she asked for the wife by name. When the woman came to the phone, June looked me in the eye and said, I'm having an affair with your husband and hung up. Yeah, June got in big trouble for that because the wife believed her, had the call traced, and then the cops came over and it was a big fucking deal. But I guess June got what she wanted, her father's attention. Fighting online may have something to do with unmet childhood needs. Now, fast forward to 2024 and um, look at what people say to each other these days all day online. Holy shit. The disgusting insults, racism, sexism, just unreal levels of disrespect for our fellow human being. The landscape of today's social media would have been impossible to imagine in the 90s. Then again, I was not an early adopter of social media. (laughs) I just... Yeah, I could not understand it. I thought it was really weird. But I also thought the Spice Girls would never catch on. So there you go. Not a great predictor of trends. <laughs> Life is a mystery. Online, people feel like they can say anything and they will couch that often as a right of theirs, a human right or an American right, the right to freedom of speech. Um, That's for babies. Um, There are a lot of babies online, a lot of people trying to heal their childhood wounds, fighting for their rights and their unmet needs. Unlike... Most animal babies, when human babies are born, we're entirely dependent on our parents. And for a long time after that too, like all the way up until late adolescence, um, when we're young, we just come out like half-baked of that. We can't do anything on our own. We need our parents to co-regulate our nervous system and everything else. Children who experience neglect don't get that. They don't get that co-regulation and that really sets people up for a lot of problems, a lot of anxiety and depression. That's a way that people internalize these things and then people also externalize via things like oppositional defiance disorder, ODD, aggression. seems to me there's a huge amount of people in the world who have grown into adulthood and haven't taken care of their inner child's wounds. And social media is no place for that hurt. That's just no place for us to drop off our vulnerable little inner children. That's like 
putting them in a cockfight or something. But we get something out of it, right? So what is it? What is it? It's dopamine. It's the hit of winning like drugs. That there's no substance except getting off on being a little bitch. Anyway, people like to fight for their right to be a baby. And the place to do that is online because that shitty club is open 24-7. And you can get a reaction and then other people react to those people and so on and so on and the water gets dirtier and dirtier and just circles the drain and it's gross. It's a disembodied experience or an out-of-body experience. It's very unclear, muddied with the shame and the loss of power that you get about being wrong. But adrenaline and dopamine make you feel good and dominant and powerful and invincible. When someone's getting high on being right, it has an anti-collaborative effect on others and diminishes our creative impulses. And it's infantile. A lot of adults have trouble handling the gaps between expectation and reality. And this can lead to delusional thinking. Something we'll talk about in a later episode about attachment disorders and love addiction. So if you're interested in that and going deeper into delusional thinking and handling the gaps between expectation and reality, please subscribe. But for our purposes today, we can look at healthy conflict versus abusive arguing. The way we deal with conflict is a pretty individual thing, right? So we all have a different kind of attachment style. And some of us have pretty messed up attachment styles. Some people are really conflict avoidant. Some people are attracted to conflict. None of that stuff is obvious in a comment section. Some years ago, I went on holiday with a couple. I hadn't spent much time with them as a couple, and I didn't know what their relationship dynamic was like, but they're both highly intelligent people, very skilled communicators. Anyway, um, at our holiday house, they were making dinner, and I was in the other room, and I thought I was hearing in the next room a really bad argument, and I was like, oh, shit, what's going down in there? I went out into the living room, And I saw my friends, they were making dinner, and physically, they looked very at ease. But they were fighting. They were having a debate about, I don't remember what, about politics, something political. And it was heated. The tone of it had scared me because of my own stuff from childhood. There was like, I had some chaos and some fighting in my home. And I don't like conflict and I don't like those kind of um, bantery, fighty dinners over a good bottle of wine. Like, I don't like that. But I think it is healthy to have differences of opinions and arguments and conflict. It's healthy to work that stuff out, out loud with people that we trust And what I was observing that night was healthy debate. It's all in the body language, the cues and messages and the truths our bodies pick up from other bodies and in this collective body of humanity. 
those kind of relationships where people are clean, respectful, they fight well, and there's love and trust there, that's where we can really learn things. Some people are in a pain body and they want to put you in a pain body too. The term pain body comes from Eckhart Tolle's best-selling book, A New Earth, where he introduces the concept of the pain body to describe the energy field of old but still very much alive emotion that lives in almost every human being. When looked at from a somatic perspective, what he's describing is chronic stress or trauma, pain, and nervous system dysregulation, pain body, or trapped emotion. So some people are just in pain, and they want to put you in pain too, and it's not necessarily a conscious thing. When your cup runneth over with pain, it feels really bad, and too much pain causes toxicity. I think that's reflected in our political bodies, And each country has a slightly or markedly different political body. And when we move between countries, we learn things that cannot be learned on the internet because your physical body needs to take that journey. In New Zealand, where I'm from, we have MMP, which is a mixed member proportional voting system. So it allows each person two votes, a party vote and a candidate vote, and that breaks up the chokehold of the two-party system because negotiations have to happen between parties to form a majority government. My first election was in 1996. I was 18. It was a very positive experience. I briefly entertained the idea of voting for the Legalized Cannabis Party. Did a bit of volunteering there, but uh, after a while, their policies seemed a bit subpar apart from the legalizing cannabis bit. So on election day, I voted double green, green party and green representative. The rep for my city was this guy that I had seen around, Nandor. He was and is a social ecologist um, he had really long dreads. He was a Rastafarian. And, yeah, when the results came in, the Labour Party had to form an alliance with the much smaller New Zealand First Party, and Nandor and the Greens got three seats in Parliament. So, ooh, I had the privilege of experiencing democracy in action. You know, it was cool. It was a good way to start my voting career. Around the world... Lots of countries have adopted MMP as a system, and like anything, it's not incorruptible, but as a tool for democracy, it's more intelligent than the the first-past-the-post system that America is hogtied to. Unfortunately, in America, the only vote that counts is for the Democrats or the Republicans. Two parties dominate. Yes, people do vote third party. It's never going to move the needle because the system will not allow for that. So it's more like a, you know, it's a protest vote or some people would say a wasted vote. Um, It really sucks because millions of people fall outside these hardcore polarities of like blue and red. What about indigenous people, 
or specifically African-American interests or people with more socialist leanings or people who want more libertarian ideas represented. To only have two parties for 350 million people is so retrograde. And then there's all the state versus federal stuff, which I suppose is there to ameliorate these problems, but it's just how can you when it's top down? It's just so messy and nothing ever moves. It's just everything gets dammed up. And then another four years have gone by and we have to go through the whole jacked up circus again. So it's so stressful, right? Oh, it's so stressful. And you kind of can't blame people for being so crazy online, but you can and we will. Let's hold ourselves responsible. You can't hold the government responsible. In 2020, in the early days of lockdown, I went on a dating app for the first time in years because that's what we were all doing in the dark and lonely nights of our collective soul. (laughs) So I met a guy and I was like, honestly, thank God, because this is all very scary and I don't want to die alone. And this guy was super cool. We got along with like a house on fire. It was so fun. Loads of laughs. Very hot guy. (laughs) Um, And it all went well for about five minutes. This guy is African-American. And I'm a white woman, in case that's not obvious by now. Um, And 2020 was just one big mega bitch. You know, I won't go into the details, but there was a racial reckoning, the likes of which I've certainly never experienced before. There was the plague without the cure. The state was on fire as well as other states. It was just awful. Anyway, you remember. Worst year on record for anything, as far as I can recall. Anyway, um... 2020 was also the election year in America and this man that I was seeing told me that he wasn't going to vote. He wasn't going to vote against 45 because of the laws that Biden and Harris made and supported that had decimated his community and sent a lot of people to prison. (sighs) I struggled with that. I felt that 2020 was a year in which we needed to hold our noses and vote for the least worst option. And in my opinion, that was the Democrats because the other guy was just so far off the chain. He had people drinking bleach, for fuck's sake. But my guy really felt how he felt and I really felt how I felt. And despite us both being fans of Bernie Sanders, we could not come together over the polarised two-party system election of 2020. Later, I was getting my hair done by my friend. I was telling her about the voting argument. Um, She's a black woman. She looked into the mirror in front of us and our eyes connected and she said, you can't tell a black man how to vote in America. And I felt um, the power of her words physically. I felt... Our bodies had synced up and communication was like passing between us. It's so powerful to speak in person. 
if that had been an online discourse, it would have gone nowhere at all. It's not something that can be resolved in a few minutes on an internet forum. Um, you don't know what you don't know, and that's just how it goes. There's no shame in it. The shame is in backing away from the challenge. Now, I'm not suggesting that white people take their racial confusion to people of colour and ask them to dismantle it for them and explain it. That is a whole other subject. The short answer, though, would be no. (laughs) You're likely to really piss somebody off if you do that, in case you didn't know. But in this case, it was an organic conversation between friends. And I think it's worth mentioning and pointing out that I was able to connect to the message a lot easier through my female friend. And that is probably just to do with the man-woman boogie. Because... You know, sometimes you don't really know what the conflict is, though it may be, you may be arguing about something specific, but in romantic relationships, there is a lot of underlying unconscious things happening that we can talk about in another episode, probably behind a paywall to protect the guilty. (laughs) But anyway... We got through that and it's like people talk about a healing journey and yeah, it is a healing journey, but it's not a straightforward journey. It's like a labyrinth trying to pass it all out. So that was a few years ago and now I kind of wonder, actually, I don't wonder. I mean, I think I still stand where I stand, but Looking at it now, Biden versus Trump, um, I'm guessing Biden is still preferable because he's, you know, he didn't commit SA as far as we know. But did you guys hear about Bill Clinton on the Epstein jet? America. Am I right? So, yeah, it was all a bit Karen, which is quite embarrassing. But in my defense, I didn't commit full Karen side. I intercepted some Karen tendencies, Karen-sidal tendencies. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, it's not necessarily that I think I was wrong, but I wasn't holding space for the possibility that I could be serving up my opinions like a cup of cold sick rather than a spacious souffle. <laughs> At the beginning of social media, it was a really great tool for connection. It was really a delightful place to communicate with people in faraway countries. For me, social media has historically been a place of opportunity. Um, This is how I met a lot of people and had a lot of experiences that furthered my life path. Now I feel like the tide has totally turned the other way and that we're now obsessed with labels and compartmentalizing who we are via virtue signaling And while virtue signaling is about showing your good character, it's mostly people saying what they hate. Online, it's the norm to reduce someone to a meme or label. We're in a weird age 
of pathologizing everyone who ever heard us. Therapy speak is in everyone's mouths, <laughs> like Beyonce. Everyone's ex is a narcissist. Everyone's father has borderline personality disorder. Every woman over 30 has ADHD. Every cishet man is an asshole. Social media spaces are like sports bars full of loud, mentally ill alcoholics who are there to indulge their sicknesses. They're not trying to get better. The music's bad. The lighting's ugly. They only serve beer and fireball. Like, I think we can all do better. Why are we hanging out in these spaces? 2020 did no one any favors, but it is time to course correct. So I'm a yoga instructor. And one of my little biohacks is heart openers. And I am going to attach a little video in the show notes. You don't need to be a practitioner of yoga to do any of these. This is just putting your body in a shape and breathing. Anyone can do it. But it really is as simple as bringing your heart forward to the front of the body a lot of the time. Because um, when we're on our keyboards or our phones, we're hunched over in a way that doesn't allow much space for our internal organs. And it also sends like biofeedback to the brain that we're kind of in a dangerous situation. So we need to protect our organs. So the slouching just becomes quite chronic. So when you bring the lungs forward, bring the heart forward, crack open the chest, you feel vulnerability. And then you can spend some time breathing into it and relaxing into it. And then that vulnerability starts to feel very nice. A little bit like freedom. So whatever is correct, whomever is right, it doesn't matter if the way that we try to get our point across is ugly. Then there is the empty concession of the virtue signaling post. Um, you may have seen people posting videos of themselves declaring which side of the war they are on, life being so very decentralized, it's like, where do you go for power? In the end of power, former Venezuelan minister Moises Name realizes upon being elected that he wouldn't be able to do squat because there's no ability for the government in the age we're in to get a critical mass behind them to tackle big policy issues like climate change and then there's these very fractured narratives in the media coming from the ground up, so it dilutes the impact of any kind of message a government could get out if they can even get the cohesion to do so. The news is such an onslaught, and most of us have no power in terms of being able to change policy. We can vote with our wallets. That is not nothing. And we are not without power and autonomy. We can adjust our sails skillfully through grounding in the physical and taking the time to notice our thoughts and what we can control and the lives that we can build for ourselves. So apart from observation, what are some other solutions? Well, wide open spaces. <laughs> 
nature, solitude, deserts. I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. Oceans. Getting off social media, duh. The fix of trash talk online pales in comparison to the soul nourishment of eye contact, expressions, whilst holding space for two different opinions, both of which can be subject to change. Babes, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of This Body Podcast. (sighs) Stay out of trouble, stay out of the comments section. If you want to send me a message, hit me up, thisbodypodcast at gmail. Check the show notes for a helpful video on how to open your heart. (laughs) There is still some currency in this morally bankrupt world. So be cheerful, strive to be happy with all its sham and drudgery and broken dreams it's still a beautiful world <laughs>